podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This episode of Misery Hunters is brought to you by Paisley Craft Beer Co. Paisley's number one and only craft beer venue. You can sit in and take away and we've also just introduced a local delivery service. So if you live in the Renfrewshire area and are looking for craft beer, we can deliver the same day if you order before one o'clock. Next day delivery as well for any time after that. Minimum order is £20. Any orders over 60, you get free delivery. So what are you waiting for? Go to paisleycraftbeer.com. That's paisleycraftbeer.com. Hi, this is Mark Jardin from the Misery Hunters podcast. I know you're all excited for what is a, a, a big week in podcast history. You know, you're excited to sit down and listen to, to what is maybe the biggest and most exciting podcast in the history of our club. And we want you to enjoy yourselves. You know, we want you to have a good time. You've earned it. We've got here. But also, stay safe. Don't take the piss. Try not to throw patio furniture at each other. Try not to smash glass. Be sensible, guys. Listen to the podcast. Have a dance. Sing with your mates. Have a drink. Enjoy a drink. But stay safe. And fuck Alex Ray. Hello you miserable bastards and welcome to the Misery Hunters podcast. My name is Jamie Coburn and with me is Mark Jordan. Hello. And that is it because the rest are all shaving their heads except from the already bald people. And uh, on their way to Seville as well so yeah, enjoy yourselves guys. I think I've seen Ross already been thrown off a plane um, after yeah. sectarianly amusing a, a folk singer. Yeah taking Bevy straight out the, the trolley as well I heard. So he's, he's currently in Nantes trying to get a bus so that he can use his match ticket. Hey, good luck, Russ. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we have three matches to talk about. I know it's been a while. Um, and three games, zero goals conceded. Pretty impressive. And we've actually got a win to talk about, so we'll talk about it right away. Dundee, 2-0. An absolute masterclass, Charlie Adam rolling back the years. Almost like he was in a St. Martin shirt. Mark, you were at the game. You were live tweeting at the game. Over to you. Yeah. To, to varying levels of success. Um, yeah, it was good. It was. Uh, I saw someone else mention this on Twitter now, and I've, I've totally forgotten who it was. But to be able to just go and see us play and never really look and bother, and to put a couple of goals away and and have a a two goal cushion. And just enjoy the football is is a bit of a novel feeling. <laughs> it's um it's been quite a while since there wasn't really any jeopardy to to something, and um and that was a Dundee team who in every way, shape, or form looked relegated. Um, I know um I know we didn't quite do it. I think because of was it Livingston equalised against St Johnston ninety third minute or something and kept it going for another week. But from Mark McGee's navy suit and brown shoes to Charlie Adams crinkled forehead to Danny Mullins pained expression that was a, a team that just looked as if they were already already stitching on since championships championship stickers to a, a very basic template shirt for next season in the in the championship there there really wasn't that much in that much danger in the entire thing yeah and I think it, 
Yeah, it, you've touched on it already, but Charlie Adams' assist is, I think, one of those moments that we'll all remember exactly where we were mm-hmm. for it. It's it's one of those one of those goals that'll live long in the memory. I was sitting in the shop with my girl, my girlfriend across from me as I went, oh, ah, oh, did you did you see that? Charlie Adams? <laughs> obviously, her not knowing who Charlie Adams is, I had to explain. But, um... Is he not supposed to do that? <laughs> it was one of those ones where it happens and everyone in the crowd, there's obviously that like straight out of your seat mm-hmm. elation to it, but you could almost see several thousand people turning to, yeah. to whoever's next to them and going, did that just happen? Like, is that an actual... I mean, well, Charlie Adams having a, an absolute breakdown and walking back to the centre circle. It was one of those ones, like, if you could just take the audio out from the live feed of it, where it was Charlie Adams crossing it, everyone going, <gasps> Alex Greaves scoring it, <laughs> yes! And then there is audible laughter. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, a special shout out as well for Chris Ewellumo and Simon Donnelly on sports scene saying that Charlie Adam only did that because he's so good <laughs> he's so talented as if like as if Messi had the ball at the touchline and would think I'll tell you what I'm good enough to land the ball in the six yard box for their striker in front of our goalie utter pish um, great composure and finish from uh, Alex Birdbath Grieve um, friend of the podcast friend of the podcast uh, if you want his t-shirt it is miseryhunters.co.uk t-shirt model Alex Grief. Oh, you better be a t-shirt model. Do you know he actually like we didn't just go to the game and like give him it. He wanted a t-shirt, and we got a bit suspicious when he said he wanted an XL. That's why that t-shirt looks huge in that thing. But guys, yeah. a, a surfer dude. Like if you look at his Instagram, he wears oversized t-shirts. We thought it was all good. We give him the t-shirt. We ask. First of all, I say you need to wear them in many poses and some lovely New Zealand backgrounds. He had a chuckle. Mark reiterated that point when nah, it's probably going to my mate. Like, Fuck you. We're giving it to you, Alex, and not your mate. So we'll be withdrawing the Alex Grieve t-shirt from sale. So you better get very on it. quickly. So it's now limited edition. If you want, if you want one, you need to get on that straight away. Um, I think um, I think Grieve again played played well. I think he's he's he's, he's done himself a. A hell of a favour, I think, by putting in a really solid run of games um, with, for Robinson mm-hmm. coming into the, the end of the season, and 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 while he's deciding what next year's team is going to look like, how he's how he's going to build that, what shape he wants it to play, then Graves absolutely in that conversation now, and I don't necessarily think he was, you know, four or five weeks ago. I think he was a he was a backup option, you know, mm-hmm. if if Brophy's not fit, Graves can do a job. We'll stick him on for ten minutes if we need someone to run about, and I think he's shown he's got a lot more in his locker than that. He's um, he's a good finisher. I, th- I think we've not um, we've not disputed that since he's he's come in. He's he's done well whenever he's had to. He's very proactive, gets himself into to spaces where chances might happen. Um, and and it's been a while I think since we've had a a, a striker that does it. Even Brophy, who I think is our most you know selfish in a, in a positive sense striker, mm-hmm. most natural finisher for quite a while. I don't think Brophy's that show up in the six yard box on the off chance that something falls your way type guy and, and Graves done really well and, and it's it's obviously coincided with such a big uptick in form from, from Curtis Main um, which you know was touched on in the in the last podcast as well and it was certainly mentioned at the, the player of the year to the poor man about a hundred times but he's, he's shown in the last few games I think what we were all hoping we were getting at the start of of the season, he's he's not necessarily there to to be the guy, to to be the goal threat in the team, um, but 
when he runs himself into the ground and, and does what he does and bullies people, he creates more for, for everyone around him. And then top that off with, honestly, one of the best finishes I, I think we've seen this season. If you take Ronan out of the, yeah. Ronan out of the equation and, and, and maybe Jay Henderson, I don't recall any finishes being as emphatic as that. And, and he's a right-footed player, if I'm, I'm not mistaken yeah. either. So he's he's taken a you know a crossfield ball from Marcus Fraser and laced it into the into the roof of the net on his on his weaker foot. It's a, a stunning goal, honestly. Yeah, more of that. And I, I'm just going to make a point point here. Usually we would wait a bit before we have a wee go at our fans, but see the fans that are still going on about how we need an out and out goal scorer. Do you know how many goals the top goal scorer in this league scored this season? Thirteen. <laughs> this is something that my mate pointed out to me that down south who's an observer saying how you like to which I pointed saying all the grannies that must could score for fun up here must have not jumped over the border. Um yeah, thirteen goals was the top goal scorer um yeah. in the league. There isn't an out and out goal scorer in this league and No like and I mean, Charles shows, Cook's it, not even a an out and out striker yeah. himself. He's you know he's, he's a wide option that's that's had a, a real purple patch this year. I think you look at um you look at teams like Celtic, you know, I think Jackie Marcus has ended up as joint top scorer with the same as, as Charles Cook. I think you've got Kyogo one behind him, Abada one goal further back, Turnbull still in double figures. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the difference. It's not that these other teams, even Celtic and, and Rangers to an extent, are able to go out and sign perfect out and out goal scorers who score one in every two or or, or less mm-hmm. every game. They're better at sharing the goals around their their team and creating more and that's why I think we don't score as, as many goals as, as we could it's, it's not because Eamon Brophy and Conor Ronan have scored what seven or eight league goals mm-hmm. this season it's because after that there's a big drop off Yeah, you've not got Curtis Main on the, the same amount of goals you've not got Henderson pushing up Kelties maybe maybe third but I've not really looked at the, the and, stats and I generally think if we play Kelty a bit like the, the positions that we've been playing in him in towards the end of the season even when McGrath found himself out of the team unfortunately for him Connor Ronan then kind of get pushed out and then when Connor Ronan saw him we kind of put him in the centre Greg Kelty is going to be our main number 10 next season and yeah. and this is I, I generally think we're going to see a lot more goals getting created for our strikers out of that I also think if obviously we'll touch we should actually touch on this a bit later we're still talking about the games but Robinson goes out and signs two decent wingers or one decent winger, whatever. Someone who can get the ball in the box just in front of the strikers. Instead of going, I noticed that a few times against um, Livingston that like with Tanzer sort of hoofing the ball in to Grieve, who's not winning these headers, but he's not that type of striker. But if you put the ball a bit lower and in front of him, he's got a better chance of getting there. And he had, a, yeah. again, a great chance like that against Livingston, which we'll go on to talk about later because we're still talking about Dundee. Um, and the f- I think uh, there's a lot to look forward to being a St. Martin fan, I think. And I, I, think I, so. I, think, I think it's annoying that we said, maybe said that last year after finishing yeah. the top six. But this year, it's I 100% believe it. <laughs> I think this year we're, we're doing something different. And I think, not to sound like a complete moron, but I think that might be the difference. Every year we, we look positively as what's coming and then the same tactics get rolled out and, and nothing much changes. Whereas what we've had this year is a 12-game... In theory, we've had the 12-game settling-in period where it didn't work at the start, but by the end, you know, four consecutive clean sheets. Mm-hmm. There's obviously a bit of buy-in into to what we're trying to do and how we're, we're playing, and that's going to be added to over the summer. And when we come back next season, 
it's a fresh start compared to the last few years. It's it's something a bit different. So I think there is cause to be to expect something different next year because we've gone out and been decisive and, and done something different. Um, I, I think we'll probably touch on this with the with the Aberdeen game as well. But I think credit where it's due. That's the best Erehon's looked in in weeks, um, or was the best Erehon looked in weeks against Dundee. You know, I, I don't think he's flawless, but. You know, no one else has been held to that that standard, so I wouldn't hold that against them. And I th- initially, I thought of this as a negative, but actually, the more I've, I've looked back at the Dundee game, it's a positive. I think some of the best stuff that Erhon did in that game was off the back of mistakes. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he misplaced a pass, but was then right on top of it and winning the ball back, or he wasn't quite in the right position. Someone got by him, and he got back and made the tackle, and and then played a really decisive pass. And I think part of my frustration has maybe been. You know, something like that's happened and he he sucked a little bit or mm-hmm. hasn't quite won that back. Whereas, you know, as I say, credit to him in the in the Dundee game for sure. He he stepped up, I think, and, and was you know an absolutely key part as to why we in the end we ran over the top of him. Mm-hmm. I think so. I think like you could pick Ethan out for getting more criticism than probably any other one of our players at the moment, but like I think that's just because we know he has that potential in him to be yeah. the player that he can be and He's not been shown it, and as you said, like if he's made a mistake here and there, he's been a bit petulant or sulky about it. Um, he, like if he's he's not really faced criticism well from the dugout, where he's responded back and ended up getting himself subbed off. Uh, yeah. So to see him, like yeah, he's he's lost the ball, but he's immediately won it back, and it's led to the second goal. Like it's, yeah. it's really promising. And twice, yeah. you know, it's, it's it's twice he wins the the ball um, in in fifty fifties as well before that goal and then you've got someone being a bit canny and Charlie Adam and you know kind of doing that I'm going to help you up but what I'm actually doing is slowing you down and then you can't be part of the ball moving forward mm-hmm. and you can see Ethan in the background when Fraser's swinging the ball away over to Maine that everyone's telling him where to go and pushing his way back up and a, a bit of that kind of fight and battle kind of being aimed in the right direction I think it's a real a real positive I think that's that's what we all want to see the, the Dundee game could very easily have been a foot off the gas, mm-hmm. you know, we're better than these guys. <sighs> Their manager's a fud. We can kind of just let the game happen. And what we actually saw was, no, this is an opportunity to, to get a win under our belts mm-hmm. and, and a real step up in, in quality on, on some of what we've seen in, in more recent weeks. Um, you know, I think the Hibs game, um, Hibs loss was, was a particularly passive performance from us at home. Yeah. So to go out and do the polar opposite to that against Dundee was a, was a real positive and it was, it was, it's just so nice to leave the stadium happy. Yeah, <laughs> for the first time in a while. And uh, is what's the stat as well? That's our first game we've won by two goals in like however many since uh, tellies were in colour. I think it's the first time that since people started using satellites to watch telly, and Rob McLean's been commentating on one of the other games, and there's been a team ending in Y in one of the the tiers of Scottish football that we've ever that those stats can get right in the bin man I hate them so much alright never mind then we'll move on uh, to the Livingston game and the big big talking point I want to bring up in this is I finally got a kebab pie and holy hell I'm more than I'm extremely happy to announce that we will give it the misery hunter seal of approval official now so you can um, yeah. you can see that we sticker on the pies next season because whole like i'm 
I hadn't eaten, I was hungry, I'd just finished work, I got there, I bought two pies. I bought one kebab pie and one black pudding pie. The black pudding pie, very good. But that kebab pie was excellent. So good that I was raging, I didn't just get two kebab pies. And I sat there for most of the second half of the first half, sitting going, can I justify having three pies? <laughs> I didn't <laughs> have any... Social pressure made me say no. <laughs> but I would You say social pressure, I I kind of talked you off. <laughs> I, yeah, think, uh, I think you said, having no, made uh, on you go, I believe you said. <laughs> there was a tone to it. There was definitely a on you go because this is something I'll definitely tweet about and try and shame you <laughs> about if you do it. Um, I actually, having made plans to, to catch up with our pal Alex after the, the game and give him his t shirt, that's the first game I think I've watched alongside one of the fellow mm. podcasters. I hope it's um, enlightening for I, you. Yeah, it was, it was a, I suddenly got a real tang of, of sympathy for all the folk that have to put up your shit in the West End most of the time. Half the time um, I just talk shit. <laughs> Not even about the game. The podcast, like, it? <laughs> it's like a live version of the podcast sitting next to me where, where we, we seem to be talking about football, but I've talked more about this pie than I have in. <laughs> yeah, most of the conversation, to be fair, was about, was about the pie as well because there really isn't that much to touch on. In the, in the game, it wasn't, um, wasn't one for the... Wasn't one for the history books at all. Um, Flynn getting a, a rare start mm-hmm. was really positive. A I was really chest infection. Yeah, um, kind of battled through it, and, and it was a real shame to see him go off for what I think we all assumed at the time was his last go for his last appearance, certainly his last home appearance, and to have it ended with an injury. When you know, I, I've seen some criticism of his performance, but I actually thought he had quite a quite a good yeah. game. He, he sh- showed up breaking into the box and had a shot which most of our midfielders haven't done um, for quite a while and I think that's what you get from from Flynn, he's just a really technically capable and intelligent footballer who tries really hard mm-hmm. and I will have as many of them around the squad as we can say, to be honest So That's the I'm thing um, Robinson said after the game because um, we kind of hung about and eavesdropped into the conversations um, Looked but- like two guys had been given detention Yeah <laughs> <laughs> Robinson said uh, to the journalist that like he knows Flynn for a while. He had him at Oldham. Um, he's a player they can trust. He, and if he's they've he didn't say he'd offered him a contract, but he did say that um, basically if he, like there's a place for him as a squad player, and if he wants to be a squad player, then he can stay. Kind of thing. Yeah, he wants uh, him around. Yeah, and that's clearly a drop in wages. Like he probably could went down maybe a league or two. Like you could see Flynn rocking back up at Falkirk or something. Um, he came through at Falkirk. Or he yeah, played at Falkirk. He played his kind of first early big on first team because he was at Liverpool, wasn't he? he? Came through the Liverpool youth. Yeah, and then I think he went to Falkirk on loan and then signed for them permanently. Possibly, I think. Yeah. Um. So like you could hit, you could see him there probably in a more first team capacity, but he's clearly bought into whatever he's took. Probably took a wage cut and signed a new contract and. I mean, I'm unhappy with that. All power to him. I, th- I think there's there's such a need around your squad to have that. And and I'd had a few conversations about this when, um, you know, on, on Twitter over the, the weekend after the Aberdeen game and, and whatnot, about should we be offering deals to these guys? And, and there was a bit of resistance, which surprised me. And um, I can't remember the guy's name now, but, but someone who kind of came back a few times and said, you know, I just don't think he improves the first team now. And... I don't think any of us are arguing no. that he's he's a first team pick or that we're we're signing him because we need to improve that. 
I think you need to be so conscious, and it's it's so true of Aberdeen with Considine as well. You need to be so conscious of scorch there. I think when you're when you're trying to build something new, and and I think this was maybe some people's fears with Robinson when he first started talking after games and talking about trying to get his own players in and own style is that you know there's plenty of good things about our squad just now. There's there's a lot of players who've made a real connection with the fans, which is important. Mm-hmm. There's you know there's there's players who who put a, a really solid effort in, who've maybe got a bit more quality than they've shown at times this year or had the chance to show. And you don't want to get rid of them just because you want to bring in guys that know how you play a 4-3-3 and, and will fit it. And I think Flynn's the kind of key key example of that. By keeping someone like Flynn, who the guys that have been here for a few years know and like, who the young players will be learning from already, and he's an example there to, you know, almost like a kind of James Milner type. You're not saying he's there to be the guy but you're never worried about Ryan Flynn coming on to the park. We're always going to be a slightly stronger unit with him on the park. We're going to have younger players who've got a better idea of what it's like to, to be out there, of what it's like to when things go well in Paisley and what it's like when things don't go well in Paisley. And, and that's priceless. I, I, honestly, I, I think him on a year deal could well be the most kind of savvy mm-hmm. bit of, of contract business we do this summer. Genuinely, I, I think he'll, he'll probably pay less than 15 games next year. But I think if you know if things go well for us next year, he'll be a real key part of that. And if if you've got a few injuries and you need to put a midfielder on, he can do it. If you've got a few injuries in the fence, you can put him on. He'll do it. He'll do a job. He's versatile. And yeah, I'm I'm pleased that he's signed a new contract. And we still same have um, Flynn Esther T-shirt available. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I, I noticed today, actually? Tape? Sorry, when I, when I was searching, the Jamie McGrath t-shirt's still online. I'll need to fix that. <laughs> yeah. Unless anyone, if anyone wants a Jamie McGrath t-shirt, you'll need to buy that in the next 24 hours. Yeah. Um, so might uh, start tagging Wigan fan accounts. <laughs> um, although I don't know if they're going to be that bothered either by the sounds of it. Jamie who? Um, no, I was just going to say about Flynn. Tate, I think Tate's going to be in the squad for a very similar mm-hmm. purpose next year. And also, I think Flynn is part of that. If our left back, you know, if, if Tanser gets injured next year, Tate's more than likely going to be our left back. Mm-hmm. That leaves you with no cover at right back for whoever we've, we've got that'll end up playing there. If it's Fraser, if it's someone else, yeah. Flynn covers that that gap. It it creates so much more stability. We shouldn't be in a position like we have been the last six weeks. Next year, where we've got thirteen first team players or. Or whatever it is. And he's also, you know, James mentioned that we, we hung back and, and got the chance to hear Robinson talking. He really did stress that Flynn went into this game on the back of a chest infection where he was unwell, but he was asked to play and he put himself forward for it. And Andrew and then, Christie said he um, whited on the pitch. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd missed it. Um, and then took a big knock and was unhappy to come off. You know, he, he, wasn't, he wasn't happy to come off. Give me 10 of those guys next year to, to fill roles around the squad. Mm-hmm. 100%. No, I totally agree. Um, any other points from that match you want to talk about or do we just go straight on to the <laughs> I was trying to think if there was any other nuggets of information off the... Uh, Scott, see we got to hang about. Scott Tanzel said that there was no rift in the dressing room. Um, yeah. He said that he, he, there was obviously a lot of chatter from the fans which shows you that the, fa- the players do see what you guys write online and most likely that Facebook page. So come on guys be a bit wiser um <laughs> but uh, he said that he was more than happy to stay and uh, i mean i think we can clearly see that from like the players that get released yeah exactly that offered contract like two players that don't get offered contracts that have left the club 
Yeah, and if anyone's going to tell me that Alan Power is one of those players who would have kicked off because no. of that, we we were talking about that after the game. I mean, we were probably was it about an hour after the game that we were still yeah. at the, the stadium to get, and you know, forty five minutes into that, you've got um, Power and who else was, was it? Henderson. Late? Henderson, who'd come on late, who obviously hadn't had the chance to go. You know, they'd warmed up but never really warmed down. Henderson. Doing a kind of functional warm down, doing doing what he needs to do. Alan Power was treating that warm down as if it was, mm-hmm. you know, like he's he's warm up before playing in a cup final. He, he's so professional, and I know that his forms maybe not quite been for the last wee while as it was at the start of the season when he was, you know, maybe my favourite signing of the season at, at that point. But that is a guy who doesn't know how to not give a hundred percent. There's, there's like literally no question. So if if you take power out of the equation, you're talking about Matt Miller. <laughs> Basically, you're saying here that, that, that was, was splintered there. because of Matt Miller. There was a wee guy outside the stadium who was more than happy. <laughs> had Matt Miller's <laughs> signature on a scarf. Never heard Get Matt of... Miller on my scarf. I think we both turned to each other and went, "Oh, poor soul." <laughs> <laughs> that scarf will be on eBay for four pounds. <laughs> uh, but I, yeah, so I think Tansa, you know, fairly, fairly unequivocal about how everyone was behind. Robinson and it was a it wasn't really anything to it. Robinson, interesting guy. Um like hearing him, you know, with the guard down a wee bit, just kinda having a, a chat it was quite clear that Brophy wouldn't even have been on the bench in normal circumstances. That he'd taken an injection to be on the bench. I think Tate took an injection to play in the Levy game or on the, the Dundee game would that have been? I think Power maybe took an injection. Maine had surgery the day after the Levy game. Um it said that they held it back as late as they could, but if, if they didn't take this appointment, it was going to be another four weeks and then he would miss some of pre-season. Yeah. So Maine was kind of willing to, to get that done now so that he was he was ready. Um, all, all really positive stuff. He, you know, It's not a secret that there's been three or four pre-contracts already agreed. He, he said, I think he's hoping for another three or four on top of that mm-hmm. um, or, or something like it. So all, all positive stuff. And uh, David Martindale took the piss out. Yeah. Which was a... Uh, which was good fun. And we could mention an, a little exclusive, but I don't want to get people's like, hopes up because I genuinely don't think it's going to happen. I think we've just done it <laughs> as a, a thing. Ah, we can say, we can say that. No, can we not? No, sorry, just the weather outside my window has just gone absolutely tonto. All right, I was very confused. I thought there was an earthquake. I thought it was so loud. <laughs> I thought you were like, you better not. But um, No, 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 uh, no, give it away. We have... We have made an offer for Connor Roan. Whether that's an extension on a loan, I, I probably will be. I can't imagine it being a transfer. Uh, however, <laughs> I've also seen the list of other play- clubs that have given an <laughs> offer to Connor Ronan. <laughs> and I will say, there's no chance he's going to be with us next season. Not to not to talk things up, but if Scott Burns got a look at, at the list Jamie has, he would jizz his pants. He would absolutely jizz his pants. Um, get a better source Scott yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so so that's a, a small exclusive for you but uh, yeah, yeah I, you I, I can't imagine don't get your hopes up don't don't be tweeting them and all this kind of stuff because I, I yeah. don't think it's it's going to happen at all um, although it we've does, asked the question and yeah, that's all we can ask yeah for. Um, but he does he does apparently like the club it's the first club that's properly taken well, like fans have taken to him so made them feel welcome so that's what you like to hear you never know there's a chance the tiniest of chances is still there but i mean so you're telling me there's a chance yeah literally that <laughs> um 
I don't think we'll get any more exclusives, do we? Um, well, maybe later. No, um, I think that's. Uh, I think that might be us. <laughs> uh, the Aberdeen game. We'll, we'll talk about the Aberdeen game. I mean, uh, it was pretty much like a Goodwin shitfest. Like that team. Like that team was. Yeah, they were not scoring. They had a few good chances. Annex saved us. We had a couple of chances here and there. Uh, I mean, it was a. We played defensively quite well. Yeah. There's there's not many I mean, negatives to take from it. The only positives no. we can take from it is that Goodwin get booed, and I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to boil down my my take on the game into into three key points. Firstly, absolutely no foul on uh, McCrory <laughs> for 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 their uh, from McCrory for their goal. So I that should have so th- get I, that right up. You. I think they were saying maybe it was like someone standing in front of Anik. Really. I think I, so. I thought, I, that's I what, thought that's, the talk was there was a foul. Like, it was just like, some, like impeaching the goalkeeper, I think, was something. I mean, I haven't right. properly seen a replay, but like they tried to show the replay from like way behind the like the other goals, and you can kind of see someone like, yeah. near them. Whether that's the case, I don't know, but that's yeah. what I believe it was disallowed for. I mean, Bearing I, I mean, my second point, Yeah, I would, I could, I could absolutely believe that they've just made something up yeah. uh, to try and justify it, because... I mean, it wasn't a penalty, Aberdeen fans, so you can pipe down. No, it was a push Because it's absolutely I mean, a push. I mean, the ref- Hilarious that it wasn't given because no. it's supposed to fit the back of the head. The referee- Maybe the most obvious handball since Porteous um, <laughs> yeah, batted it out there against us. The referee got his decision wrong, but the outcome was correct. Is that the, yeah. the correct way of saying that? Yeah, I think Proof so. that the system works. Yeah, two wrongs make a right. Correct, and nothing more needs to be said. <laughs> you moaning, torn-faced northeastern bastards. Oh, that's racist against Aberdeen fans. No, northeastern could include lots of different. You know, Cove fans are included in that as well. Oh, well. Yeah, there's not no specificity here. <laughs> um, I wasn't at the game. I was driving. I was driving home from having been down in England brewing beer. Um, that's not going to so, reveal when my shot, but I believe I will still get a sample of some kind. Yeah, I mean, we've not put the necessary label on it for you to sell to customers, but we'll, we'll maybe have a chat about something under the table. Um, yeah, so I, I got the pleasure of listening to Sports Scene's coverage of the of the game, and it was really nice the day before, where you know you had two games covered live and open all mics to to go between all three games that were on, and the BBC kept the red carpet rolled out for for the final day of the league season, where they only offered radio commentary across all three formats of the Hibs game and and put Willie Miller up to to Pataudry to to keep all the Summon fans in the loop with what was happening there and uh, I said I wasn't going to do it but I'm going to get petty I'm going to show you just how pathetic I was the entire way I kept count in the second half of how many times our players or club were mentioned and they weren't William, they threw to Willie Miller twice in 45 minutes and on both occasions, he spoke about Aberdeen for a minute, mentioned that Al Nick had made a couple of good saves and then passed it back. And not so much as the club name was mentioned. And then they got to the end of the game. I think I think they said at one point, you know, Aberdeen you know, probably did enough to beat St. Mun today. They mentioned the final league positions and then spoke about Jim Goodwin and Andy Considine for 45 minutes. There, there was literally no coverage of someone on the final day of the league season when there were only six teams playing. <laughs> no no mention whatsoever. This is a team who, because of that result, finished above Aberdeen. 
it just honestly just makes no sense to me whatsoever why that's tolerated. And I'm not a, a Simon bias guy. I'm, I'm not, a, 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 I, don't think, I don't think anyone cares about us, but I think that's the point. Mm-hmm. I think that's the point. You're not going to tell me that like 45% of your listening audience is from Aberdeen, so you need to keep them happy. I understand why you pander to the old firm, right? There were six teams playing on, on Sunday. Talk about them. <laughs> Actually mention what they're doing. Talk about them. Some people, either because they're driving home from England or for a variety of other reasons, maybe don't have access to Sitmarn TV or to drive up to Pathology for an away game and rely on radio coverage to know what's happening in the game. And you literally didn't tell them. It's a game in your top flight from a team that finished above the team you spoke about for the entire afternoon. Honestly thought it was a bit embarrassing. And that's the last I'll say on it, Jamie, I'm sorry. There you go. And that's why we need Misery Hunters on BBC Sports Sounds comms. Richard Gordon stepping down. You know, I'll, I'll step up if they ask me. <laughs> um, I mean, other I than that... I think you've covered sorry. the game pretty well. I don't think we need to talk about anything else. No, I, I, Andrew... Um, oh, did, yeah. uh, Andrew did go. He had a right good tilt at getting steaming for two full days in, in Aberdeen. Um, by all accounts, and uh, and was our man in the in the stands, but then hasn't bothered to come on the the podcast. Yeah. Um. He said Ethan Erehon had a good game. He said that there was lots of inflatable snakes for Jim Goodwin. He said Goodwin come over to clap to some fans and get booed and seemed really raging about it. And they're all all valid points. He also said Aberdeen are, and I'm quoting, fucking shit. And anyone who thinks that they should have won three or four 0 is absolutely at it. Yeah, I think he said something along the lines of like it is understated how bad Aberdeen were. Yeah. Um, the, the only other thing that I want to mention other than uh, Aidan Martin getting on for his debut um, is a real positive. You know, we've got a couple of young strikers who'll be in the squad next year so I wouldn't expect them to get too many runouts next year but any first team minutes are a, a good thing and hopefully that's a bit of motivation to, to push himself on. Um, the, the, the only other thing I wanted to, to mention was Andy Considine on what was very much Andy Considine Day mm-hmm. putting out you know, maybe the longest retirement post in Instagram history in which he thanked every manager he ever played for including Stephen Glass <laughs> and didn't mention Goodwin. <laughs> That's peak cool. level snidiness. Yeah, mm-hmm. incredible. I mean, even if Ethan Erehon got it. Like, I mean, no, Ethan Erehon can be a bit, bit of a sass queen. Um, <laughs> he, uh, he, the library is open. Yeah, he put um, a wee post up on Instagram of him shaking hands with Goodwin, in which Lee Irwin even added a little bit of sass into it at all. So, yeah, all in favour of that. I've, I've said this enough times, but I'll, I'll repeat it again. I do not hold anything against Jim Goodwin for leaving and taking a bigger job for more money because he's a guy with kids and you get one career and every last one of us would do would do the same and or or comparable if given the opportunity there is absolutely no bitterness for that whatsoever that doesn't mean I can't enjoy it when it all goes tits up and I can't be a bit resentful for some of the stuff that he left behind Mm -hmm. Get up him. Doesn't mean I I love him any less. You know he'll always be he'll always be the captain for the League Cup and all the rest of it. But for now, as the manager of a team only one place below us in the league, get it right up him. He's a snake. <laughs> I mean, I, I I'll say that like when I say this, I, I don't mean it, but I do. So. 
Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that. Right, we'll move on, we'll move on. Now. Uh, contracts have been talked. Flynn has signed a new deal. It has been confirmed that Gogic has been offered a new deal. Please, Gogic. Um, please stay. <laughs> uh McCarthy and Jack are both away. They were both offered new contracts. They rejected them because of going to other clubs. Uh, Jack Anik has been now confirmed the signing of Cardiff. We kind of already knew that was happening. Um, yeah. Conor McCarthy... I agree for both, I think. Mm-hmm. For, for Anik, I think, for him to get the chance to go down and play second tier at a bigger stage mm-hmm. is, is well earned. And also, I think Cardiff are probably getting a bargain out of that as well because yeah. I think he's, he can easily cope with that level. And... Um, McCarthy, we don't, we don't know where he, he is going. There's some early rumours that it's Dundee United. Whether that turns out to be the case, don't know. The amount of money they're throwing about, that's the thing. Um, I can totally see him in Aberdeen, to be honest. Yeah, to be fair, Goodwin brought him here, didn't he? They're needing a, a defender. They were looking. I don't done. think Conor McCarthy's the answer, no. but, you know, by all means. I mean, he's he can go there, prove his wrong if he wants. Um like Charles Dunn probably wasn't the answer, but we were rumored to get be getting six figures until he went and injured himself again. Um, yeah. So it makes sense that the obvious replacement you would then go for is Conor McCarthy. Although would McCarthy want to play for Goodwin, knowing that he signed him, and then immediately try to replace him the next season? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Stranger things have happened. That is true. Uh, Transfers that we're, we're obviously we're aware that we're bringing in O'Hara, uh, Carson, Bacchus, uh, a younger, Aye. a younger from Morecambe, mm-hmm. wide forward. I'm looking forward to see him. By the way, I think he's going to be, he's going to be good. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm going to forget everything I've ever seen about his signing strikers who've mostly played in the bottom couple of tiers of English football with one and two or one and three goal records and I'm going to assume that he's going to be a great success also does anyone watch the the TikToks of Ryan Reynolds doing the the comment like the basically the the highlights of the Wrexham games and he did yeah. the one recently with Dagenham and Redbitch where he talks about Junior Marias like twice really yeah because Marias gets a oh, shot and, and then he scores and it's like goal Marias and you're like oh, Ryan Reynolds knows who Junior Marias is that's an interesting turn of events that I don't think anyone would have expected. <laughs> no, expect him to pitch up at Rex in the next scene. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't like. I don't really have any other rumours like that I've heard of. Liam Donnelly and, and Liam Grimshaw oh, yeah, both they, been um, but they both get, been touted, but by Motherwell fans, and they're both yeah. similar players in the same position. They are both out of contract, as far as I'm aware. Mm-hmm. Um, this summer and at least Grimshaw I'm sure was signed by Robinson for Motherwell mm-hmm. and potentially both and, and Donnelly's not and if, as well so yeah I mean and that would suit the sectarian agenda yeah Um, you know get that's why, get McCarthy, McCarthy, that's why McCarthy and Power both left that's <laughs> why Ronan's gone yeah <laughs> um, yeah I've seen the two they mentioned but to be honest I haven't seen I haven't seen much more beyond that good to see um Dean McMaster get mm-hmm. get name dropped as someone that will be stepping up into the first team next year. Um, I think I've been signing him fairly consistently on Football Manager for three years at this point. Mm-hmm. So good to good to see him get the get the step up. Yeah. Uh, any anything else you want to talk about before we move on? I, think yeah, I, don't, I don't know. That. It's, it's a real shame to see Matt Miller go. You know, I don't just don't know what we're going to do next season. 
I'm at a loss. Him and, him and Kyle McAllister, you know, I'm oh, just yeah, sick Kyle McAllister's gut. finally gone. That's probably why Ross isn't Apparently, yeah. Uh, Robinson told um, Kyle he wasn't getting a new deal and it really split the Partick Thistle dressing room. <laughs> That's why Ross isn't actually on. Like, we, we, we make jokes at the start, but he's actually running about naked around about Fox Bar celebrating the fact that, that McAllister's finally gone. So, you see a nude man Keeps up, Keeps up, he won't get his flight to Seville. <laughs> but yes, we will be back after this. Hi, you're Alan Power and listening to Misery Hunters. <laughs> it's so good. We're not going to get much play out of that next season because he's gone, so we thought no. we'd bring it into your Alan Power can and it, listening to Misery Hunters. <laughs> can I exclusively reveal that we played that to Joe Shaughnessy <laughs> after the after the Livia game and he, he genuinely looked shocked. And uh, also, friend of the show, Ashley McGinn, uh, wife of outgoing Kilmarnock player Stephen McGinn, I think mentioned that the Kilmarnock players were also aware of it. <laughs> Probably because I sent it to her <laughs> with that express intention. Um, yeah, so hopefully that uh, begins to make its way through Scottish football. I mean, James Hunt had again? a bit of concern on his face, but now he's yeah, not, it's, not like pro- it's not his problem anymore. No, no. Could you play it again, Jamie? Oh Please. yeah, two seconds, two seconds. Let me just get it back up. Hi, you're Alan Power and listening to Misery Hunters. Listening to Misery Hunters. <laughs> Serious consideration to there being a you're Alan Power t-shirt next season. If, um, if more than 10 people respond after this podcast is posted to say that they want a you're Alan Power t-shirt, then... Yeah, what you need to do, I want... <laughs> If we get 10 people to reply to the podcast post that just says you're Alan Power with a gif that is of someone completely wasted or drunk or something, we will get a you're Alan Power Yeah, we'll release a you're Alan Power t-shirt. Yeah, I'm happy to commit to that. Mm-hmm. We'll get that done for you. Um, but it's time to hand it over to Mark. We still don't have another jingle, so unfortunately until we get another jingle, it's going to be called... Fuck you. It's going to be called Fuck You. I don't know about that. It's not very nice to introduce people to the Fuck You. Um, but. No regrets. Hello, this is Billy Mehmet, and this is the Billy Mehmet Hall of Fame. Let's do the dance. Let's do the dance. Enough of all that previous silliness, and let's get to a Hall of Fame named after <laughs> Billy Mehmet, and let's stick someone in there who played less than 20 games for the club. Yeah. I love the Here fact that go. the Hall of Fame is named after a guy who while desperately trying to score his first goal for the club, went through one-on-one. This is my best memory of Billy Mehmet is when he was one-on-one with a goalkeeper at Queen of the South and he stood on the ball. That takes real skill. You know, Kinchelskis does that and he's considered a genius. Billy Mehmet does it and you're still bringing it up 18 years later. Yeah, it is what it is. But yeah, Um, 20 games for the club. Who could this be? Yeah, we've had a lot of, of fairly serious Hall of Fames recently. Uh, put in some actual club legends, so I thought it was to, to bring mean, that screech into halt. I love this man. Just saying, I do love Oh, he's, he's a hero. He, he deserves to go in. He is the definition of a cult hero. He's going straight in. Um, John Sutton, Johan Jorkaev, Grant Adam, Anton Ferdinand joins a long, long list of footballing dynasty's brightest stars to rock up in Paisley. Um, how's that for an introduction Jamie? I was wondering where it was going especially with Grant Adam I was like what? 
No, we're not talking about people who've got questionable records. <coughs> so we're not talking about anyway. Rio then. Oh, oh, you went there. Oh. Uh, no, we're talking about Anton. He's just a normal man, an innocent man. Um, <laughs> uh, born in February 1985, Anton graduated from the same West Ham Academy as his brother Rio in 2003 and established himself sorry, in their backline for a tilt at returning to the Premier League. He did that in his second season and, uh, and in total played there for, for five fairly successful seasons. I'll, um, I'll, I'll blast the rest till we get to the good stuff uh, in case you wonder why I'm not coming up for breath. Um, Roy Keane snapped him up I think for a seven figure sum to take him to Sunderland and although initially did quite well Steve Bruce came in and, and made maybe the biggest error of his calamitous managerial career and punted Ferdinand out within a couple of seasons he uh, returned to London to sign for Neil Warnock at QPR but before the end of that season was playing for Mark Hughes and before Christmas the following season he was playing for Harry Redknapp and and absolutely totally normal and definitely financially solvent first 11 that included Julio Cesar, Jose Basingwa, Park Ji-sung, Sean Wright Phillips and not Peter Odomwingi. Um, yeah, as, uh, as as things do when you just sign uh, internationalists who've got 85 caps but also have 33 or 34 years on the clock, uh, it wasn't to last and he ended up out on loan for, for a couple of years that he was in Turkey. He was back in England. At one point, he almost signed for the Polis in Thailand, which I'm not making up. Um, Polis United in Thailand, who also owned Reading at that point. Mm-hmm. And then he signed for Reading. Billy Mehmet um, played in Thailand as your link. Yeah, and, and Singapore, mm-hmm. and Australia, and North Cyprus. You know, he's a little trotter. And very much the Anton Ferdinand of his day. Um, yeah, that makes lots of sense. Uh, yeah, so he, he travelled around a lot. You know, he went wherever he was needed. Um, and then eventually, in, I guess, mid-2018, a personable PE teacher by the name of Oren Kearney lit the competent defender signal and aimed it into the night sky. Following the Alan Stubbs wrecking ball swinging through Fergusley until just after the closure of the transfer window, Kearney was left with a subpar squad and limited options. So the availability of a former Premier League and under-21 international defender was not one to be sniffed at. In many ways, we can thank Anton Ferdinand, not just for his service, but also for retiring Josh Heaton, <laughs> um, for which we'll will always be grateful. He, uh, he showed all the signs of having had a lengthy career across multiple continents. He seemed to be battling age and experience and scars and injuries to get on the pitch every week, but never gave anything less than 100% in a very assured performance. He initially signed a three-month deal to help Kearney out and um, very quickly in the, the January window was convinced to make his, his stay last the entire season. Um, we also signed Popescu. We um, we shored things up and, and looked a bit more of a steady ship. So as the season went on, Ferdinand's role became more of a balance of keeping clean sheets when he was asked upon, but also guiding those that did make it on the team sheet a bit more regularly. You know, there's there's only 18 or so games to talk about, which I appreciate isn't a lot, but I think there's probably one that um, that deserves to be spoken about in a bit more detail. And it was also his last appearance um, in the, the second leg of our playoff, stepping in for an injured Gary Mack just before extra time in the playoff. We survived a further 30 minutes, 
some of which were down to 10 men after Duncan's Nazon tried to take someone's head off in the middle of the park um, and got us down, uh, got us two penalties and ultimately deny Robbie Nielsen uh, any any penalty scored or promotion to the Premier League. Um, asked about the day, Anton had, had quite a lot to say and I'm, I'm, I'm going to read it out verbatim. Said it was pretty emotional. He was here from the start, just after the, the new manager came in. I'm pleased for the boys. I'm pleased for the manager. I've been in a situation like this before and it's not nice. I had to draw on all of my experience to help the boys get through it. Seeing what the boys achieved has put a real smile on my face. I spoke to some of them before they took their penalties. I've missed a few myself. I know what the pressure's like and we handled it superbly. I told them to pick a spot and I told them to be assertive. We did. They didn't. And we stayed up. Um, shortly after that at the end of the season um, it was announced that Anton was moving on there was more than one fan in the crowd including myself who was keen for him to, to stay on if, if we could have convinced him but he, he wanted to go away and, and play a bit more football than, than I think he assumed he was going to get but um, he did take time after that to to thank the thank the fans you know the, this, the North Bank had taken Fashion Sakala's song at Rangers and changed yeah, the words to it. Josh yeah. McGuinness and his time travelling machine. Yeah, they did. They'd stolen what was a well-known Rangers song for Fashion Sakala. His hot drunk um, time machine. No, that doesn't work. That yeah, I don't know. No, I, I respect that you tried it. Yeah. I respect that you tried it. And I'm just going to keep talking so that it's really uncomfortable for you to try and cut that bit out. <laughs> and I'm going to refer back to it as well so you can't edit it. Um, he, he thanked the fans. He said, you know, he, he felt properly loved. And, um, yeah, he, he summed up his time at the end and, I, and I'll finish our induction by saying I haven't played as much football as I would have liked but 100% I've been behind this team and these boys. I've done all I can to help the team. That's just in my DNA. And I think that's the perfect place to leave it. So welcome to the Billy Memo Hall of Fame, Anton Ferdinand. Welcome, Anton. Do you know, see when that picture revealed <coughs> like of in the dressing room and like we hadn't announced he was signing or he was on trial or anything and I was just like is that Anton Ferdinand sitting there <laughs> as someone who used to be a West Ham season ticket holder oh I'm very much <laughs> jizz my pants Delighted. I love a West Ham St Mern link because I can get my English pals that support West Ham to take some sort of interest in St Mirren and the only person I had really before that was Bally Mehmet um, what a man <laughs> So having Anton being there and being clearly the better of the two Ferdinand brothers because some of the shit Rio comes out with it's just oh, it's just a dick, isn't he? I um, should also be mentioned actually. This is after the induction because I, I finished the induction perfectly if I did say so myself. Um, if you haven't watched his documentary mm-hmm. about the racism he faced in English football and how that was dealt with by the press and how it's been dealt with since, go and seek it out because it's genuinely one of the most powerful hours of, of telly on the subject of football that I've seen for a, for a very, very long time. It's really, really well done. Mm-hmm. And uh, it gives you a real insight into just how tough it was for mm-hmm. for someone in his position to have to put up with some shite that he should never have had to put up with. Yep. I totally agree. Um, Misryhunters.co.uk for, you know, the Flanniesta t-shirt, um, the future Alex Goggett's t-shirt when he signs that contract. Get your Alex Grieve t-shirt. Um, we may develop another one, maybe birdbath i don't know um <laughs> i hope from, hoping this kind of birdbath banter doesn't drive grieve out the club yeah i'd feel pretty bad and personally responsible if that was the case <laughs> but uh 
thanks for listening. Uh, we will have, well, we do have a few summer shows planned, but you know what we're like when we say we have shows planned and then we don't do them. It's You don't know how hard it is sometimes to get a few people on a podcast organised. It can be difficult. And people tell you they've got all the time in the world and right up to the yeah. moment, oh, I can't make it. And you're like, I mean, some of the guys have had to be in Dortmund, Braga, and Leipzig this year. I know. And Seville. So, you know, it's, it's tough to, to kind of wrangle them around to get them on podcasts. But we do have stuff planned and we also maybe have a small wee competition planned as well. So keep yeah. your ears open for that. I was going to say your eyes open, but keep your ears open for that because we're going to try and make it listener only. We're not going to put it on social media or anything. It would just be for the listeners, yeah. the actual people that listen to the show. Um, there was going to be another point I was going to make there as well. Oh, yeah. we I, you, People who have listened, we may have mentioned that we were going to do a Eurovision show and it never happened because we just didn't have the time. But... Before we go, what was your opinions? And did you get to see any of this Eurovision? Yeah, I actually watched. So the best bit of Eurovision, I think everyone can agree, is the voting bit. And I and I watched it right up until the voting started, and then switched off and watched the Big Lebowski in its entirety. That's fair enough. Out the, in my bin. The best part of it, I have to say, was ballad after ballad after ballad, and then Moldova came on with an absolute banger. <laughs> I am I am a Moldova stan. And, and have been. That, that's the third Jamie time. can, Jamie can vouch for that. That I have spoken mm-hmm. almost exclusively about Moldova since we started talking about doing something about the Eurovision. because yeah, they are the dons. That's the third time they've um, represented <laughs> Moldova, and I was like, well, I guess Moldova might not have a big musical pool. But do you know the controversy of that song? Actually, they think it's um, mm-hmm. there's, there's a lot of anger about it because it's about a tr- the the translated is about them being on a train going from Moldova to Bucharest, and it's. Um, they think it's something to do with a unification between Romania and Moldova. Uh-huh. So it's angered a few people in Moldova. But right, right, that, right, right. you don't choose to listen to Misery Hunters to hear about these facts. But no, no. Fair play to Norway for sticking that uh, Eamon Brophy tribute in. That mm-hmm. was good. From Ben from A1, apparently. Yeah, that's really weird. <laughs> but thanks for listening and fuck John Terry. Fuck Rebecca Vardy. Podcast Network.